Overall, though, with plenty of jobs and with strong household finances, I think the consumer is in pretty good shape. And now to get to the first part of your question, if the consumer is going to be in good shape, then generally the overall U.S. economy is going to be in good shape and growing. Welcome to Mitten Money, delivering insights from Michigan-based business leaders, big and small. William Zank, host of Mitten Money at TriStar Trust, loves nothing more than creating this masterclass so that you can get insight to guide your leadership journey in just under 30 minutes. Subscribe today and connect with William at mittenmoney.com. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Mitten Money. We're so happy to be back in the swing of things here. So being that it's fall time, we're going to embark on a new three-part miniseries that starts today. We're going to be talking all about moats. While we won't be talking about castles, we will be discussing how companies have built theoretical moats around their business that makes them less prone to potential slowdowns. In today's episode, we chat with John Ead, who's the current CEO of Argus Research. We first chat about how the U.S. economy is faring, along with the U.S. average consumer. We later chat about how some companies in Michigan are also faring. So please stay tuned to this energizing conversation with John Ead of Argus Research. John, so I'm really happy that you're able to join us today. Do you mind giving the listeners a brief introduction on yourself and Argus? Happy to, William, and thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. I'm the president and CEO of Argus Research Group, and Argus Research is an 85-year-old independent research and financial services firm. We're based in New York City. We have three different businesses, a research business, a money management business, and a financial data business. And we have about 75 people working for the company out of our headquarters in New York City and in London. Of that group, approximately 20 of them are analysts and portfolio strategists. And this is the team that forecasts the U.S. economy, earnings, U.S. markets, industries, and 500 leading companies that we rate buy, hold, or sell many based in the state of Michigan. And we're an independent research firm. That means we don't do any investment banking. We don't have a broker dealer. So all we sell is our research. And we don't have any conflicts that a banker may have if they're pitching a company and they want the analyst to put a favorable rating on a stock. That's just not our business. So our business model is really aligned with our clients. When we do well, they do well. Or when they do better, we do better. And we've been doing it for over 80 years. So I think we get it right more than we've gotten it wrong. But I can't guarantee 100% perfect predictions here today, William. I've been at Argus now for over 30 years. Argus is a family-owned company, and it's in its third generation of family ownership and management. I'm not part of the family technically, but I've been at the company so long, I feel like a member of the family. I got to know one of the granddaughters when I was in college and I moved to New York City and took the job and she and I have gotten along real well. And I've worked my way up through the ranks, a former director of research, ran strictly the research business, and now I run all the businesses. And I'm in charge of most of the hiring. So when I'm looking to bring on new analysts, I'm wanting to make sure they understand the culture and values 
of our firm. And I also have an opportunity to train them in our proprietary approach, which is typically a buy and hold approach for a long-term investor. So we have a dedicated team of qualified analysts who are really thinking about the markets in a lot of the same way that our clients are. That's perfect, John. I really do appreciate you touching on that. And just for full disclosure, at TriStar, we do employ the service of Argus Research. And one of the things that really attracted us to you is all the things that you mentioned, but most specifically, just the independent nature, being able to go remove those conflicts of interest means so much to us and I'm sure to other clients of yours as well. And if you don't mind just shifting now, John, how would you in Argus view the current state of the US economy and the average consumer? I know a lot of people out there from whether you see people posting on Facebook to people in the financial media saying that we're currently facing a potential recession. What does that all mean for the average person out there? Let's start with the back half of that question first. And let's think about the average consumer. I think the average consumer is in pretty good shape here. We've got a historically low unemployment rate that's down to 3.6%. That certainly doesn't sound like an economic slowdown to me, no matter what some other data points might say. But we do watch very closely the consumer sector because that accounts for about two-thirds of overall U.S. GDP. So the consumer is employed. That's a good thing. The consumers who aren't employed have jobs available. I think there's almost twice as many jobs available as there are unemployed people. That's all fine and good. A second aspect about the consumer has to do with their financial condition. And our analysis is that consumers are actually in pretty good shape as far as indebtedness is concerned. One of the statistics we follow is the percentage of monthly income that goes to debt repayment. And that's historically low right now. It also reflects a lot of spending that they didn't do, especially as checks were coming in and everything was shut down. So we see the consumer with a strong balance sheet. We see a consumer with good job opportunities. Those are two very good things. One thing that's a bit of an offset, we're starting to see a slight turn in the housing market. The housing market has been up, up, up. It really helped the US economy recover from the pandemic. So much demand for new homes, so much demand to improve where people were now working, not just living. And that excess demand resulted in sharp price increases. I think prices have been rising on a national basis 20% a month for the past six months. So now we're starting to see prices just a little bit higher then the average homeowner is looking to spend. And so now the new home sales and the building permits are all starting to slow down. And of course, the house is often the biggest investment that a consumer makes. It's not an issue right now, but that's something we're keeping an eye on that may impact consumer confidence and consumer spending down the road. Overall, though, with plenty of jobs and with strong household finances, I think the consumer is in pretty good shape. And now to get to the first part of your question, if the consumer is going to be in good shape, then generally the overall U.S. economy is going to be in good shape and growing. Now, what we've seen in the first half of 2022 is that the economy hasn't been growing. Nobody's called it a recession yet. But the economy hasn't grown for two quarters in a row. 
And in the past, that has been a recipe for a recession. I'm going to argue that this time is different because some of the factors behind those negative GDP numbers relate to things like inventory building. And so maybe inventory building wasn't as strong in one quarter as it had been previously. To me, that's not a knock on the economy. The inventories are still building. Another factor is imports. The more we import, the more that subtracts from GDP. We've been importing a lot coming out of the pandemic, so that sends GDP negative. To me, I feel like if we're importing things, we're spending, we're purchasing, we're growing, but that's not how they calculate GDP. And then the third factor, William, would be the government spending. Those trends year over year have been negative, and that can't be a surprise to anybody. There's no more trillion-dollar fiscal stimulus spending plans coming out to fight the pandemic. We won that battle. I think these are quirks that the economy is facing right now. These three quirks resulted in two negative GDP quarters in a row. The core of the economy, which is the consumer sector, is in good shape. I think we're going to be able to avoid a recession. Some of it's going to depend on what the Federal Reserve does to try to bring inflation under control. But that's my view, William, on the consumer and on the overall economy. John, that's fantastic. So transitioning now, talking about the market a little bit, are you surprised at all with the performance this year? What are your thoughts on the market now? Coming into this year, William, investors had enjoyed two very strong years in a row, 20% one year, 30% another year. The market over the long run, I think the average returns are something like 10, 11, 12%. You just don't get those 20, 30 years stringed together for several years in a row. And with the good performance in the market, valuations have become a little stretched. Plus, this is a unique year in the presidential cycle. It's a midterm election year. There's typically a change in Washington, D.C. Investors don't like change. So if you look at the returns year by year, years one, two, three, and four of the presidential cycle, year two is the toughest year. And so here we are in year two, and we definitely have had a tough year. And it hasn't even really been the midterm elections. It's been more the invasion of Ukraine from Russia. It's been inflation. And interest rates have risen, long-term interest rates. And as those long-term interest rates rise, that works against these growth stocks, which have higher valuations. And investors are looking farther into the future at growth stock profits. And if you have high interest rates to bring those profits back to net present value, you're using a higher discount rate and that makes those profits smaller. And these are the growth stocks that carried the US stock market out of the bear market related to the pandemic, the Microsofts, the Amazons, the Googles. So all of those got revalued by higher interest rates. We saw the 10-year treasury yield go from 1.5% at the beginning of the year to 3.5%. But now that oil is coming back down and rates are coming back down, I think there's a focus again on what the long-term growth drivers in the U.S. economy are. And you're seeing money go back into those sectors and those companies. Sure. Those are some good points. And so kind of switching this now from a national perspective, John, now towards our home state or my home state of Michigan, 
Do you mind chatting just a little bit how some local companies in Michigan have been faring, just from a broad perspective? Sure, William. I mentioned I've got 20 analysts and strategists, and they're all organized by industry. So I've got a utility analyst, I've got a tech analyst, I've got a financial analyst, I've got a drug analyst. So we cover all of the sectors. And we cover a lot of companies that are based in Michigan. So let me touch on a handful right here. There is one theme that seems to be playing through a lot, and that is the big theme, and then we'll go into it, is this corporate restructuring. Management teams are rethinking their lineup of assets. They're divesting some, they're buying some new, they're kind of changing the way that the company looks and feels. So that brings me to Kellogg Company. We like Kellogg a lot. And Kellogg has just announced a plan, as you know, to unlock value and to turn one company into three companies, a fast growth, organic and plant-based food company, the Morningstar Farms, that's going to be fast growth, a slower growth, but probably higher yielding North American cereal business. That's with the iconic brands and all. And then their global snacking company, which is going to be the biggest company that's got the Pringles and the Cheez-Its. That's going to be more of a growth and income idea. I think it's real interesting that the CEO has decided to stay with that business. I think that gives an important signal to investors, which one the company might think has the best prospects going forward. And the CEO hops on that bandwagon. We like Kellogg and we like what's going on there. DTE is a utility company. I mentioned we cover utilities. DTE is also making some changes. It has spun off its midstream distribution segment. And now it's focused almost entirely on regulated utility businesses. 90% of its business is the regulated utility. We think that's great. The stock has been popular. It is a low beta stock. That means it is less risky than the market as a whole. Well, you can't talk Michigan without talking about Ford, I feel. And wow, what a dividend hike. 50% boost to the dividend, yielding 3.8% now. That is an exciting signal, we think, from the company. We think an aggressive dividend hike really sends out three messages from a company. One, it's got a clean balance sheet and can afford to pay dividend. Two, the company is very focused on shareholder returns. And returns do include capital gains, but they also include dividend income. So Ford is cognizant of that and is saying to investors, we realize that. And three, they're not going to increase their dividend 50% if they think their business isn't in a pretty good shape right here. So there's a positive signal going forward for the Ford business through that 50% dividend hike. Businesses in North America is growing very well. And one other stock I'll talk about would be Dow Company. Dow is the chemical company. It kind of kicked off this whole spin-off and split up transformational restructuring trend that is really carried through the entire market. Dow is certainly dealing with higher energy prices and higher input costs that are a factor of this high inflation environment. But we think that inflationary environment has probably peaked here in June and July. And the next series of CPI reports 
they're not going to show a steep decline, but I do think they're going to show a glide back toward inflation in the maybe five to six percent range early next year and on down to the three to two percent range over the next two to three years. So that should make Dow's costs a little bit more bearable for them, help their margins out. So William, that's a few stocks that our analysts are covering in Michigan. There are others, but I wanted to highlight those today. Really do appreciate you touching on that. Sounds for the majority part that Michigan companies are faring pretty well in this challenging environment. So that's great to hear. And like with all of our podcast guests, John, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some of our most popular questions, our lightning round of questions. And so if you don't mind me, John, asking, what is your most important daily habit? My wife and I like to take our two dogs out for a walk in the woods and let them run around and jump into the rivers and cool off. We get outdoors, we get to spend some time together and the dogs get some exercise. That's a three for one habit there. Of course. What would you say is your favorite TV or streaming show that you're currently watching or have recently? I enjoyed Ted Lasso, the soccer coach out of London. That was a lot of fun to watch. And I'm looking forward to the World Cup later this year. Absolutely. And so, John, if you could be remembered for just one thing, what would it be? That I led a company that stood for financial integrity and quality of work. And we had strong and beneficial relationships with our clients. I'm happy to be doing that right now and to have had the career I've had at Argus Research. John, if you don't mind me asking, for those people who want to learn more about yourself or Argus, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? There's obviously a lot of information on our website, www.argusresearch.com. We've got lists of the stocks we cover. We've got some thought leadership reports. We've got some weekly list ideas. We also are on LinkedIn and on Twitter too. Those couple other places to find more about Argus Research. Thank you, John. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, John. Thanks, William. Have a great day. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Mitten Money.